It's time for episode 62 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Thursday, November 13th, 2014. Clockwise, four guests, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, a podcast that's one if by land, two if by sea. I'm Jason Snell, your co-host, and across the country from me, as always, my co-host, Dan Morin. Hey, Dan, I did a little uh, New England reference there for you. I was going to say, that is a Boston thing. That's right down the street from me, and by right down the street, I mean like several miles from here, but yeah. it's accurate. Little known fact, it was also 18 if by giant robot. Uh, interesting. Uh, this is pl- Clockwise, the podcast where we talk for about half an hour on four tech topics with two lovely and talented guests. I will introduce the first guest. It's staff writer at Wired, Christina Bonington. Hello. Hello. And to my left is our second lovely and talented guest, noted coffee drinker and sometimes <laughs> writer of Apple-related gear, Jeff Carlson. Hello. Thanks for having me here. I will introduce the first of our four topics. I um, I just got a new iMac. I wrote about it on my site, sixcolors.com. Um, and I actually got the uh, arm-mounted version and put it on a, on, a, on a little mounting arm on my, my desk. I've got the sit-stand desk. And I wanted to – I was thinking about workspaces, and I wanted to ask you all what your workspace, either at home or at work, is like and, um, you know, how have you set it up to be comfy for you? And if you've ever had to deal with uh, injuries or imp- impending injuries uh, and, and what you did about that to, to make your workspace all comfy and cozy, because we're all people who do a lot of typing every day. And I thought that would be interesting. Christina, what is your workspace like? So at home, it's actually pretty boring and not very customized because um, – as a, a Bay Area resident who doesn't own a home, I tend to move every year or mm. so. So I haven't really invested in anything awesome or comfy. So it's just kind of, it's I have like this black desk and I just sit my laptop on it. And then it's pretty easy when I switch to the couch and work from the couch and my cat lays on my lap. So she's probably a pretty integral part of my homework experience. Mm. Um, and then at work... Um, I work right now. I've I've got the iMac set up um, at a table right now, and um, you know I've got the, you know the usual Aeron chair, um, nothing too special. But I used to be on a Pilates ball. I really liked sitting on those big round kind of yeah. bouncy Pilates ball. It was you know fun because I could like bounce during the day, and I felt like I was getting some exercise and working my core and stuff. But after a while, I realized I was getting some RSI symptoms in my um, in my forearms from from typing and stuff. And we had this ergonomics expert come in, and she basically yelled at me about how <laughs> unergonomic my setup was, and like made me like toss out the Pilates ball and switch to a normal chair and adjust my seat height correctly and stuff. So I've been I haven't been on the Pilates ball since. Well, I have a couple setups right now. I, I- have two desks in my home office, actually, one of which has a, a an iMac on it, oh, wow. which I'm I'm standing at right now. Well, I had a normal sitting desk, and then I got a sitting standing desk, which unfortunately at sitting height is just a little bit too high. And I, like Christina, I started to get some like forearm problems. So I, I use that. I mean, I'm standing right now because I like recording podcasts sometimes standing up. Um, and I sometimes switch over to the, uh, the, the sitting desk for longer periods of typing. Um, I, when I used to have an office though, like Christina, I, I, ha- I didn't have a bouncy ball, but I used to sit incredibly unergonomically. I would often have my, when I was programming, I had a f- my feet up on my desk and my keyboard mm-hmm. in my lap, which is probably not really good for you at all, but I was young and I could get away with it at the time. 
Um, so yeah, I, I bounce back and forth between having my laptop hooked up to a cinema display on my sitting desk and the iMac at the standing desk, and it's pretty good. And of course, I spend a lot of time at coffee shops too, so uh, that's a lead-in for Jeff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I do a lot of typing and sitting down at, at, at tables and coffee shops. Uh, yes, I, I, I do spend a lot of time at coffee shops, um, although I do spend most of my time at home. I, I work in a little um, converted attic in my house, and uh, the, the great thing about it is it's a nice nice um, little spot it's kind of a mess but um, like it, it's its own little dedicated area the the bad thing is even though I've been here for probably 10 years um, not a week goes by that I don't bash my head on the angled ceiling <laughs> um, no. just you know like you would think I would learn but no apparently not it, I, I guess it just keeps me awake and gets me up to go make some more coffee um, so so I just work on a, a MacBook Pro connected to an external, uh, I have a, an NEC um, monitor, and uh, sometimes I'll go downstairs and, and work on the couch, but um, I also, you know, have suffered RSI issues, uh, I think right around like 94, I think, 90, 93 or 94. When, when, it, when it was in. Is what you're saying. When it was in, when yeah. It's hip. yeah, yeah. yeah. When, when it was really popular to have RSI, um, I, <laughs> well, because it's because those gloves with the with the fingers cut off was re- yes, really yes, hot yes, right the, then. the yeah. handies gloves, I think mm-hmm. they were called. Um, yeah, I I was doing a like a lot of PageMaker production work and um, had to you know go and get workman's comp and see a physical therapist several times a week and like like the whole the whole ugly deal. So. Um, I'm I'm much more sensitive about like my seat height and um, stretching and and all of that, which is it's all good for you, kids. It's going to get worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Christina, what is your topic today? The Microsoft Band. So this is Microsoft's wearable that came out a couple weeks ago, and I've been wearing it since the day it was announced. Um, and I like it a lot. I think it's a pretty interesting product. I've I've checked out a lot of the the smartwatches and the fitness bands that have come out so far. The you know the you've got you know ones from Garmin, from Fitbit, uh, the Android Wear watches like the uh, the Galaxy ones and uh, Sony Smartwatch Three is coming out and stuff like that. But I like this one a lot. Um, so one thing I like about it is it has a small display and I am a lady with a small wrist. So some of these smartwatches that have like the big like two inch displays are just ginormous on my hand and weigh them down. So I really like that Microsoft went with something that's that's slimmer. Um, But then it also has a really cool interface that's kind of Windows Phone like. It's tiles and you swipe through them and it's really easy to tap on the touch screen. Um, The screen itself is really bright. Um, and then it has like some cool features as far as like it, you know, it does sleep tracking and um, it has my, one of my favorite things is this guided workouts feature, which I think is like one of the first really cool features that I've seen that makes a smartwatch or a wearable like a must buy. Um, so you can download different workouts onto the band and then you start the workout and it gives you prompts when it's time to switch to the different workouts or say you're doing a jog when it's time to switch to walking and when it's time to switch to running. So you don't have to think at all about like how long your interval is or anything. Your wrist vibrates and it tells you what to do next. And that's just really cool to me. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, briefly saw a Microsoft band. Uh, a friend of mine had one just, the, I think, the day it came out. Um, and although the one thing that puzzles me about it is that the 
it's got like a vertical oriented display on it. And I felt like if I was like looking at my wrist the way I would with a normal watch, uh, the numbers for the time would all be the wrong direction. <laughs> no, oh, <laughs> um, um, yeah, the the buttons are placed kind of interesting, interestingly on it, though. Um, Microsoft kind of wants you to wear it with the display on the inside of your wrist instead uh, of on the outside like normal. Okay. That makes more sense. Um, yeah. I, I haven't been converted to the wearables market yet. Um, I had a Pebble for a while, which I just don't really wear anymore. I, I'm interested in the Apple Watch coming along, and I think it'll fulfill a lot of these you know, same tasks that a lot of the other competing fitness bands do slash wearables. Um, but I'm also really interested in the tie-ins with the Apple ecosystem. And so that's, if anything, I think that might be the thing to bring me around. I, I'm glad Microsoft has sort of thrown their hat in the ring. It does seem like they've done a really smart approach, too, of making a device that works really well with all the various platforms. Because uh, I think they realized if they, say, paired it directly only to Windows phones, that that would not last very long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it seems like a really uh, interesting gadget. I think it has a little more functionality than some of the other competing things I've seen, and it definitely seems like it had a little bit more polish. Uh, I haven't spent enough time with it to know what, what it, how well it works, but I, I like that you were talking about the guided workout thing. For example, I used to have an app on my Pebble that let me do that for like my seven-minute workout thing that I would do. Um, so that's a really cool implementation feature, um, and I, I'm still I'm still I'm still bearish on the on the wearables market. I'm still waiting to see where things go from there. Um, I have a fit bit one um i i don't um you know track my steps religiously um although i do find myself carrying it everywhere and occasionally check and see how i'm doing um i think you know the, the most interesting thing about the wearables market is that it's it's really so young um you know with with things like health kit uh that apple's built into um, its operating systems it's something that developers can really sort of run with and um you know like who says everything needs to be on your wrist or it could be a headband or, you know, there are lots of different possibilities for there. Um, it's sort of funny that I say that because I'm not terribly uh, athletic. Um, in fact, I, when I had my last yearly checkup, my doctor asked, you know, what I was doing for exercise. And I said, well, I, I got a Fitbit. I'm walking a lot more. And he said, well, walking's good for the soul. <laughs> And so I was like, but, but I, I'm getting more exercise. He's like, yeah, you should really be, you know, 45 minutes of intense activity three times a week. I'm like, yeah. okay, so Fitbit won't help me there. But, you know, like as a motivator, it's, it's, it's been very good for especially someone in my situation where, you know, spend a lot of time sitting in front of a computer reading uh, and writing that, it, you know, it, it's good just to, just to get up and move and, 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 you know, at least start there. Yeah, I, um, I'm interested in, in, the, in the, the wearables, the fitness wearables, uh, and, you know, then Apple comes in with the, their watch, which is fitness capable, but also more like a, a fashion uh, device and it'll be interesting to see how this how this market uh, uh, changes over time and whether we see this split between fitness and and uh, and, and fashion or whether um, they're all going to kind of come together at some point. I like that Microsoft is trying, and I think this is very much what Dan said. I, I like to the innovation that they're that they're trying with this, uh, uh, applying some of the UI quirks and lessons learned from from Metro and um, I. I 
you know, that all said, I, I also had talked to my doctor a few weeks ago, and it's very much the same lesson that uh, that, uh, that Jeff said. I, I said, I like to take walks, and he says, are you walking up a hill? <laughs> and I said, actually, I am. He said, well, that's good, because that's what you need, is you need to get your heart rate up, and just walking around doesn't, it's nice, but it, it, it doesn't do it. So I, that's been my my challenge with a lot of these um uh, these bands and also just my pedometer is, uh, you know, the steps are, are not really the story. It's the heart rate elevation. So I, I feel like uh, that would be an advantage of having some sensor that is measuring like how much time you're spending with actual good aerobic exercise and is is giving you incentives on that side because that's that's where I need the motivation. So I, I see the value here. I, I, I think these devices are only going to get better. I still, like Dan, I am... I don't know if I'm bearish on the market, but I feel like it's very clearly so early that uh, we'll look back on all this stuff in five years and be like, wow, why did anybody buy that? But, you know, that you got to start somewhere. That's what I think. Uh, it's halftime now. We've done two topics. There are two more to go. It's very exciting. I would like to tell you about our halftime sponsor very quickly. It is the good people at Loot Crate. Now, let me explain to you what Loot Crate is. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service for geek and gamer and pop culture stuff. So Wait, s- do they just send you boxes? No, Dan. There are things in the boxes. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items. It includes licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind stuff, and much more. Uh, this month... The Loot Crate, they're all themed month to month. This month's Loot Crate is a head-to-head rough-and-tumble battle for your senses. That's right, Dan. They're trying to steal your senses away from you. What? It's uh, celebrating fighting heroes, battling rogues, 8-bit brawlers, other game-related stuff, including Mega Man, Assassin's Creed collectibles, items from Halo, Street Fighter, and other surprises, including an exclusive t-shirt with a design you won't find anywhere else. As always, Loot Crate says that uh, there will be more than 40 in value in every crate. You get it for less than $20, but it's also a mystery, and you get delighted every month with a new box full of interesting stuff. So if you'd like the gaming-themed fighting heroes, battling rogues, and all of that uh, stuff, that's this month's Loot Crate. You have until November 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific time to subscribe and receive this month's crate. When the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. You'll have to wait for whatever comes next. So go to LootCrate.com, L-O-O-T-C-R-A-T-E.com slash clockwise. LootCrate.com slash clockwise. Enter code Enter code clockwise and you'll save 10% on your new subscription to Loot Crate. Loot Crate is like a friend. They know you, they know what you love, and they surprise you with an awesome present every month. That is a good friend to have. And thank you to Loot Crate for being our halftime sponsor. That's it. Halftime's over, Dan. It's your job to uh, kick off the second half. All right. So yesterday, Samsung uh, announced at their developers conference that they're kind of making a big push into virtual reality. Uh, They announced a ship date for the Gear VR, which is a headset that you can plug your phone into. And by your phone, I mean your Samsung Galaxy Note 4, of course, um, as well as a more speculative gadget called Project Beyond, which is a 360 degree camera that you're supposed to be able to sort of take out, drop somewhere. And then in what I do think is a cool idea, um, you can stream that 360 degree view live to someone wearing a Gear VR headset. But there are, of course, drawbacks, among which is that camera doesn't apparently capture audio at all. So you're in a mute virtual reality. Um, And so my question for you guys is we've seen this teased a lot and we've seen a lot of stuff come out recently. This this VR headset is is made in partnership with Oculus, um, who, of course, were uh, acquired by Facebook earlier this year, or I believe that's pending. Um, 
so we've all been waiting for this, it seems like, for, you know, decades now. So is VR ever going to materialize or are we still kind of in the pipe dream phase? Jeff, what do you think? I think that we are are still in the pipe dream, just further along down the pipe, I guess. Um, and and where is the pipe going? <laughs> we don't know. Is there light at the end of the pipe? <laughs> There's light at the end of the pipe, but it may just be a drop off into a sewer. It's hard to tell. Um, uh, my friend David Blattner wrote a book in 1992 called Silicon Mirage: The Art and Science of Virtual Reality. And I remember, like you know, like VR was just about to happen. Like it, it was, it, it was going to break open. You know, break really <laughs> wide. Um, and it seems like, you know, every five years or so, there's some new VR thing that's that's just, it's just about, like, this is going to be the thing that that really brings it to the masses and, and, and what have you. Um, surprisingly, I'm not as cynical as that recently, um, partially because Oculus has gotten not only a lot of funding and a lot of attention, but, you know, from people who've, who've used it, um, people are developing for it. Like it actually seems to deliver on a lot of this stuff rather than, you know, Hey, I'm standing in a barren computer generated environment that makes it seem like I can look around. Like it, it actually has, you know, um, interesting capabilities finally. Um, and so, you know, like, I think that we're, we're still very, Oh, and the other thing I was going to point out, um, one of the, the surprises with VR is if, if you see uh, photographers with drone cameras, a lot of them have some sort of a, a VR setup so that they can better see what, a, what the drone camera is capturing, not just a, like a screen in front of them. And so, you know, and that doesn't look outlandish anymore. So I think there's enough push, especially with Facebook and Oculus, um, you know, putting a lot of money into this. Uh, John Carmack um, also throwing his, his weight in um, on the developer side. Um, and also, you know, people that are like, okay, maybe this is something that won't be completely stupid if I'm sitting in my living room with a headset on spinning my head around. Not exorcist style, of course. <laughs> I so I would say I'm 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 more bullish on it than you are. Although it does have when the way Dan described this is very much like uh, you know William Gibson's Neuromancer explains <laughs> that VR is just around the corner, and that was 30 years ago. So um, I I seeing seeing the Oculus Rift in action, I feel like this is going to be a gaming peripheral soon. That, that's my feeling. I feel like that is really going to be a thing. In the next five years, there will be consoles that will that will have VR things that you'll put on the glasses, and you'll have a really awesome time playing games with them. I think Samsung trying to turn this into a mobile gaming thing, or whatever it is, is less likely. I think that sounds like it's forcing technology into a place where, where I, I doubt it will go for a while. Now, maybe... I, maybe you know, I don't know. I, I'm more skeptical about that. It's possible that mobile will will kind of eat the lunch of what we think of as consoles, but I feel like this is much more likely to be the kind of thing that keeps people at home in, you know, keeps them buying console hardware because they're going to be capable of these super amazing uh, VR experiences for gaming. So I do think 
it will happen for that. I'm skeptical about all of the other applications for this. I think it's. I think eventually you might get a set of glasses that'll do like augmented reality overlay, and if you can if you can do VR at full frame as you move around, you can do AR at full frame as you move around. Maybe that would have some value. I actually think that a lot of people's disappointment with Google Glass is that it's not really AR. It's just glasses with a little screen in the corner. And if you could truly do an overlay on reality, that might be interesting. But you know, I think it's only. I think it's going to be real and. And we're going to get out of the pipe. Uh, the pipe is going to dump us in our living room, and uh, we'll be playing on uh, on video game consoles. I think that's where we're going to see it. Yeah, um, I feel like VR is a really impressive technology, and you know what Oculus has done is is just kind of a really cool experience right now. But I just don't see it as something that I would want to invest in personally anytime soon. Um, you know, I kind of like to. I don't spend that much time at home. I'm not really big on gaming um, you know, in, in the home or anything, just kind of, you know, casual on my phone or whatever. Um, so I like to get out and experience the world, and I'm not really so keen on just seeing, you know, a 3D rendition on my strap to my face. Um, I also don't really like having things on my face that much. I have reading glasses, but I, I don't really like them. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather just, you know, be out and about than have you know this vr headset on all the time and i feel like it would get hot and sweaty under there after a while too Mm -hmm. that seems like uh you know not comfortable yeah i think that is an issue i'm i'm especially skeptical of samsung's approach because if for no other reason then this only works with one phone that you will replace in a year or two so then you'll just have another plastic gadget lying around um i agree that the gaming seems to be the biggest possible outlay for this a lot of the deals that samsung is touting here which include like they made a deal where you can like virtually walk around tony stark's lab before age of ultron comes out and it's like all right all this stuff seems kind of schlockety and marking marketing the kind of stuff that used to get on like those free cds every once in a while like demos of all these things um that you would try once and then never use again and i just i think it's a it's currently a solution in search of a problem um i think gaming is is definitely the killer app here but there's a lot of work before that becomes something that people are going to use. That said, with all the stuff that people are doing with things like Connect and all the motion sensing things, it seems like something like like VR can't be that far off given the amount of money they're pouring into it. So uh, not there, let's say not baked yet, but I'm looking forward to, I'm checking the oven. All right, Jeff, what is your topic? All right, my topic is, so um, we're having a cold snap in Seattle right now, and uh, my apologies for you on the East Coast when I say cold snap, because you're like, (laughs) you guys don't know cold. Um, But uh, uh, it was 30 degrees, and um, uh, I didn't know that, so of course I asked Siri. I said, Siri, what's the temperature? And Siri kind of creeped me out, because she said, it's 30 degrees, and then went, like like not burr like you know b-u-r-r but actually made that like like lip vibrating sound um and so on on one hand it's like oh well that that was sort of amusing and um unexpected but do i want my um not real artificial intelligence uh assistant doing human style um you know sound effects like that is it endearing or is it just creepy oh, we're in the uncanny valley now we came out we, we, we came out of the pipe in the uncanny valley um I, you know i i think we got to go through this you know i think 
I think one of the you could argue that the only thing that Siri is really good at is entertaining people. Um, it's not that great. I mean, setting timers. And uh, other than that, it's not that great at a lot of this stuff. It's still not as good as it should be. But people do love talking to it and finding it, say, kind of uh, delightful, strange things. And uh, delightful slash strange, I guess I should say. So um, I, I would go with endearing. I think there is a creepy aspect to it. I think one of the problems is that when you hit that that uncanny valley moment, that uh, uh, how do we get over it? And I think the technology has got to be way better to get on the other side of it. And it's just not good enough yet. So I, I it's it's easy to do stuff like that. Um, it's hard to make the, the, the agent actually seem more intelligent. And uh, they need to do the only way there's going to be enough thrust to get over the uncanny valley is by having it be really, really smart. And uh, it's not. So you end up it's actually kind of jarring that it suddenly does these human things when everything else is still uh, really brain dead. So I I think I think I I see how it's endearing, but beyond a point, it's pointless because they just need to make the technology better. Oh, I agree with Jason. Um, I feel like it's, I feel like it's endearing sometimes, but a lot of times it's just kind of awkward and, and creepy. Um, but I feel like things like that, you know, when uh, Apple or other uh, other smartphone assistants um, add a little bit of personality in there, that's kind of the thing that makes you come back to it. Um, so you know, it's it's you you come back and you want to hear what that what that quirkiness is what's what's she going to say next you know that's kind of that's kind of fun and mysterious about Siri sometimes to me is I'll ask a seemingly mundane question and get kind of a quirky response back and and that's fun to me but a lot of times yeah that burr that sounds that would that would have kind of creeped me out if I got that when I asked that question (laughs) yeah I think um I had a similar experience driving with a friend recently and we were just playing around with Siri and we got it to say um for some reason I don't remember where we came across it, but it uh, instead of saying "ha ha" it's something, it said "ha ha," and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, what is that about?" Um, but it's a similar sort of thing because it's not just that the rest of it is brain dead, as Jason was saying, but the idea that the rest of it is like just deadpan. Ha-ha. And like the people don't talk like that. <laughs> like that is not, that's where we hit that uncanny valley thing, as Jason's saying. Like it's not close enough to be actually sound like a person. And yet it's too close to just sound like a robot. Um, so right now we're in this weird in-between state. And I think that that you're right. It needs to go further in order for people to really accept it. But I mean, kind of like VR, I think it's not quite there yet. It's in this this mid-range of not being fully baked. Um, and, and Siri does okay on a lot of things. I'm, I'm curious to see how some of these competing products, um, Amazon's Alexa slash Echo, whatever you want to call it, um, seems to have similar... Uh, issues in terms of well just how personable is it um i don't really think that you're going to have people treating it like a person um maybe when it gets like maybe when you don your vr headset and then there's a robot driving around that looks like a person that talks to you like maybe then then we've really made it but uh until then i feel like we're gonna i we're gonna spend more time with our robots being a little bit on the creepy side 
All right, we are rapidly running out of time, so I want to very quickly move to our bonus question. It is this. uh, What's your favorite iPhone game? A lot of really cool iOS games have come out this week, including uh, bonus levels for Monument Valley, which is a beautiful game, and Space Age, uh, another really cool uh, new iOS game. So really quickly, do you have a favorite? It could be favorite of the moment or of all time. Uh, What's your favorite uh, iPhone game, Christina? Um, mine is actually kind of really simple. It's a game by Microsoft, funnily enough, called Wordament. And I first started playing it when I was reviewing a Nokia phone sometime. And uh, it came over to iOS a while back. And it's just you you swipe on a board and make and make a word. And you try to get as many words from this, this grid of, of letters as possible in a, a certain amount of time. And it's just really simple. And I, you know, sit on the on the Caltrain on my daily commute and just swipe around and try to try to do that very often. I, I have a couple, but the one that I think has had the most longevity for me is Super Stickman Golf 2, which I know uh, Jason's going to be like, well, you're still playing that? But we we did used to play that a lot. In fact, the oh, only yeah. person I still play with is Dan Frakes, um, who is constantly on there and is incredibly good at it. Um, but there are some other really good ones. Uh, I've been really looking forward to playing Space Age, which just came out. Um, so yeah, lots of good opportunities on on iOS gaming right now. I think that um, in terms of things that have that have just uh, resonated with me, um, definitely Monument Valley uh, took my breath away, and I'm looking forward to the, to the new uh, levels. Um, but I, the most that I that I play games, um, I have a little solitaire called uh, an app called Solabon or. S- Solbon. Um, it, it's it's very simple and it, it lets me play solitaire for a couple of minutes here and there. And I find that's that's most of, of what I do. Um, I did go through the the obligatory letterpress phase that went um, super crazy, and I had to stop doing that because I stopped doing work. Um, and I, I'm also looking forward to Space Age. Uh, it, it just it looks amazing. But right now, those are my little ones. Yeah, I think I think um, Monument Valley is one of my favorites, although it's it's short uh, and and not really repeat repeatable. But that was a wonderful experience, and uh, actually also by uh, Nevin Morgan is the uh, Black Bar, which I found to be essentially like a uh, an interactive short story that's a hugely fun. It's got no graphics, it's all text. It's a great game, and and uh, I don't know Threes Threes is a fantastic game that I that I played way too much. So lots of games out there. Well, we are out of time. And it's been a good show. Christina Bonington, thank you so much for being on Clockwise. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Jeff Carlson, thank you for being here, too. Thank you so much. I, I, I'm still driving through that pipe. We hope you make it out soon. Hopefully to a brighter future. <laughs> and uh, everybody out there, thanks for listening. We remind you, again, in a non-threatening manner, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.